Hey, good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Come on, let me hear you. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us, as Brian and Betty Joe have said, uh, please reach out. Please connect. We'd love to do our best to get you involved and find, help you find your tribe and your family, uh, even in a smaller group in the amongst of what God's doing right here every Sunday. I do want to give a couple of announcements before we get into the Word today. First of all is we are like six days away uh, from our marriage conference. All right, you excited about that? Uh, I was on the phone with Pastor Ron this past week talking through some of the details, and he, he made a comment that really stuck out to me. He said, you know, we're, we're going to talk about a lot of practical good stuff. He said, but I believe God is going to have a time of healing. And that was important to me. Uh, in just the stress of life and, and the tensions that can happen in our marriages, I think it's going to be important that not only are we coming to just ha laugh and have a good time, there'll be giveaways, there'll be great, you know, one-liners and wisdom you'll go home with and practical steps, but there's going to be some healing. To give you a real quick idea, we'll go, Darla and I will have a session, Ron and Kelly, uh, we will have some lunch and some fun time, and then we'll have Q&A, and then there'll be a real intimate time to kind of close it. And so I really want to encourage you, if you haven't, to register. There is a $50 cost, and just so you know, that covers childcare, it covers your lunch, um, it is for $50 dollars for the couple. Uh, if for whatever reason you can't afford that, please don't let that keep you. We will happily scholarship to have you here. We're more, more you know, excited to have you here personally uh, than we are worried about getting that money. It's just to trying to be able to help budget-wise. But again, I want you to register. You, you're talking five or six days. It's filling up quick. And so we, we said last week, even if you're single and you want to come, you want to come and get some information for that future relationship, I really encourage you to be here. Uh, I don't think it'll be awkward for you. I think you'll be able to have a good time and leave with some great wisdom. And so I encourage you to do that. Amen? Amen. Uh, one more time before we get into the word, I always love to take a moment and highlight what's happening financially with our church because people give every month uh, to be able to help us keep the lights on and the ministry that happens. And obviously you're seeing every Sunday the ministry that's happening. I'll be sharing next Sunday some of the growth numbers that we've seen as a church and some of the vision. And I'm just excited about what God's doing right here in our church. But we also love to celebrate what we're doing outside of the four walls through the giving. And so we love to just kind of share with you where your money's going for those of you that tithe. And so in the past couple of weeks or past couple of months or so, we've been talking a lot about the Word of God and how it should be the foundation of our life. And we partnered with one of the ladies at our church that partnered with another ministry, and we are going to be sending Bibles to the Congo. Come on, put your hands together for that. Um, I was talking with somebody after the first service, and it, it's really easy for us to come in here and celebrate the idea of, of, of building our home on the Word of God, because everywhere we look, there's a Bible. We have free Bibles out of the Welcome Center in case you need one. We have them on our phones. But in the Congo right now, that most of the time average, watch this, there's one Bible per church. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine going home and wanting to read the Bible and not being able to? And there's for a lot of people, that's their reality. And so we're partnering with this ministry to provide their Bi you know, Bibles translated in their language to them. And, and here's what we like to do here at Victory. Because of those of you that already give faithfully, we've already been able to commit to this. And so the Bibles run about $20 a Bible. And so we've already committed $2,000. So we're sending 100 Bibles over to the Congo. Come on, put your hands together for that. And, and that's, that's already done. So you don't have to give another dollar. It's already done because you give faithfully. But if you would like to, this is what we always say, if it, if it touches your heart and you say, man, I want to do more, they're $20 a Bible. Uh, if you want to give, you know, let us know. We will give 100% of that money towards that. So if you decide you want to do that, mark it and let us know. Um, we're just believing for God to continue and using us as a church. To, Congo is just the first place. We believe we're going to continue to do that all over the world. And you saw some pictures. I'm going to continue to tell stories and stuff for the next couple of weeks. But I just love to be a part of a church that says we're going to do something not only in these walls, but all across the world. And we did local ministry 
ministry last month with our Men of Valor men as we celebrated them, and now we are sending Bibles to the Congo. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Put your hands together one more time for that. All right, hey, if you got your Bibles, turn to Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 32. You can go ahead and turn it to on your phone. If you have your paper Bible, it will be up behind me, but it's not going to come up first. That is going to be the section of scripture that I'm preaching on today that I really want you to go home and read and memorize, but I'm also going to reference some uh, scripture in Joshua, some scripture in the book of Luke, but Psalm 32. So go ahead and get there. That's going to be kind of the meat. This is, we're bringing today a, a series that has been one of my favorite series we've done called As For Me In My House. And we've been talking about, obviously, based off the scripture in Joshua, but we've been talking about taking Jesus home, not just having Jesus with us on Sunday morning during a church service, but having him in our everyday life. And it's just been a really good series. I, I've really enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it. And we bring it to a close today um, as we get ready for a brand new series. But I, I ended last week, just so you know, I'd already had this sermon figured out. I'd written about 85% of it. I was going to talk about having a vision for our home, which I'll probably revisit later on in this year. And I was going to talk through not only that, but the vision of what God's doing in our church and share some pretty cool stories. But I woke up Monday morning and I just really felt the spirit of God pressing on me, I thought, and, and it meant I was going to have to change my entire sermon. And so in my prayer time, I was like, Lord, I'll do it, but you're going to have to help me write it quickly because we're running out of time here. And so for me to know it's you, I need this thing to just come together quickly. And I sat down in front of my iPad and, and it was just, it was amazing the way God began to flow with this message. And it's a message that is, is really heavy on my heart. In a good way, I felt like First Service really received it well, and I hope you receive it well um, as well, because I think it's something that we're not talking about a lot today in our culture, but it's life-changing. So to set it up, I need to take you to Joshua chapter 7. Again, you're in Psalm 32, so stay there, but in Joshua chapter 7, in my own personal reading months and months ago, I came across Joshua chapter 7. I'm going to give you a little bit of context before we read the verse. Um, Joshua would lead the Israelites into war, and they would go and conquer certain areas. And a lot of times when they conquered those areas, they would take stuff from them, any of their resources, their goats, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and God would promise them victory, but there were some times where God would say, hey, you're about to go into this place, and you're going to win, but don't take anything. That was a, 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 a you know, sp specified from him. Do not take anything. Leave it all alone. Well, at one time, it, what's happening is Joshua's getting ready to go into another war, and they've, they've already heard from the Lord that they're going to win. They go in, and they lose the war, and, and, or the battle, and Joshua gets really upset by it, and he's seeking God, trying to figure out what's happened. Meanwhile, what, we, what you would have read is that there was somebody who did end up taking something from this particular camp, or the camp before, and he's kept it, and he's hiding it, and so that's going to be the result of what's happening. So i just kind of explain that real quick so that you don't feel lost when I start to read this. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 10, it says, the Lord said to Joshua, so Joshua's on his feet, crying out to God, why did we lose that war? Why did we lose that battle? And the Lord says to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things, that's what I'm talking about, and they've stolen them, and they've lied, and they've put them with their own possessions. So they took something from that camp, and they're hiding it amongst their stuff, and I told you not to. He said, that's why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs, and they run, because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Now that ends at verse 13. I'm going to pick up at verse 19, but the next six verses are them going through the process of elimination and getting to the point where they realize that Achan is the guy that stole that. All right. So that's what those six verses do. They go through tribe to family to, okay, it's Achan. 
So verse 19 comes in like this. <clears throat> oh, sorry, I skipped some verses, sorry. It says, go consecrate the people, tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there are devoted things among you, Israel, and you cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. So now we'll skip to verse 19. It says, then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. And here's the sentence that's built this entire message. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. I want to end this series titling this message, An Open House. Darla and I, when we had kids, and a lot of this, if I was honest with you, was more Darla's parenting than mine, but I, I jumped on board because it made sense. And, and we set this, we wanted to set this culture in our home that you could talk about anything. You know what I mean? Like, no matter what has happened, no matter how you're feeling, no matter what mistakes you've made, be open about it. We can talk about it. Like, we, we didn't want a culture in our home where, where our kids were ashamed to talk about something they did or a thought they were having or a feeling they were having. We, we kind of had these conversations like, hey, anything, there's nothing you can do that will stop us from loving you. Like, we tried to lay this out, and I'm, I'm really excited to announce, as I think about it, that we've created this culture in our home. My kids talk to Darla about everything. And I'm okay with that because I have two girls. And so I get it. They, you know, daddy's here to show them what a man of God is like and who, sh who they should marry and to protect and to provide. And mom is that best friend that they run to and talk to. But I love that that's their heart and their attitude, that there is nothing that they are hesitant to talk to my wife about. In fact, uh, I learned about something. And so I was going to talk to Veda about it. And I mentioned it and Veda went, how do you know about that? <laughs> I was like, I am married to your mom. Okay. Like she tells me something every once in a while. I just believe that our houses should be a house that has a culture of openness. I believe that, that your relationships, your kids, your parents, your, your, your spouses, they, there should be a culture in that home that feels like we can talk about anything, right? I think it's also what the culture of the church should be. I think the culture of God's house should be a culture where we feel like we can come in and say, talk about anything. Man, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I felt. And we should not have this feeling of, of conviction or, or condemnation. We should have this feeling of this is what I'm dealing with, and then we can walk with it. Which brings me to this word that's often feared in the church, at least in this day. Repentance. Repentance isn't a popular topic to discuss for people. It's not the thing that you hear about and go, ooh, let's go to church. We're talking about repentance today, you know. I, when I had the dream team in our huddle before service, I, I, we got through all of our stuff in the very end. I said, hey, guys, wait, wait, I'm preaching. Are you ready? I'm preaching on repentance. And they were all like, oh, boy, it's going to be great. <laughs> and I think it's because at some point we've been led to believe that admitting our sin is taboo. And I don't know if it's because when we think of repentance, we think of a guy standing on the curb with a bullhorn screaming, repent, <laughs> turn of your sins, you know. Or if we just think about the old fire and brimstone preaching model. Or maybe, and this is a little bit more my story, maybe you felt like repentance is me just kind of airing out my dirty laundry to a bunch of strangers. That doesn't sound like fun. And so for whatever reason, we get into this mode where repentance is a negative thing, where there's fear in us in regards to repentance. But the real reason for repentance, watch this, is that God loves us enough to welcome us to come to him with our sin. 
He loves us so much that he wants us to come to him with our mistakes, with our sins. But watch this. But he loves us too much to let us stay in that sin. Did you hear me? He loves us so much to say, come, bring it. Don't worry about cleaning up the mess. Get in here and let me get in here. But I love you so much that I'm not going to let you stay in it. When you read the Bible, you'll find out that the first words of John's gospel, John the Baptist's gospel, was repentance. The first word of Jesus's gospel is repentance. The first word of the disciples' gospel is repentance. And the reason that that was the first word, it was, it was never meant to be something that scared us. It was never meant to be something that caused us to turn away or run from. It was always meant to be something that set us up for the forgiveness of God, the grace and love and mercy of God. In fact, those who have repented of sin and have experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, they know that repentance is actually an invitation, watch this, to experience the deepest and most satisfying love of all. When you've experienced repentance correctly, when you've repented and been able to experience the forgiveness and the love of God, you realize that it's repentance that is opening the door to the deepest and greatest love of all. So here's my prayer. Here's my prayer for you and my prayer for me. Here's my prayer for your home and my home, for your marriage and my marriage, for your kids and my kids, for your friends and my friends, for your future and my future. I want to make repentance normal. I want to make it normal. I want it to be something that we celebrate, something that we are excited about. You go, oh, Troy, you're getting a little crazy now. But hopefully by the time I'm done with this message, you walk out of here with a different view of what repentance is. And in your home, it becomes normal. In this church, it becomes normal. In your marriage, in your relationships with your kids, it becomes normal. In Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, Jesus has started his ministry. And it's pretty common for Jesus to be hanging out with who the religious people would call sinners. And so he would have dinner with them or be at a, you know, a party with them or whatever it might be. And so they started these gossips. Did you see Jesus? Did you see who he was eating lunch with today? Did you see who he was eating dinner with? And all this is gossip's happening. And Jesus knows it's happening. And so as they're gossiping, Jesus all of a sudden answers them. And he says, watch this. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. Right? Amen. That's amazing. And, and we've heard that before. That gets preached kind of often. But what's funny is he says something else after that that a lot of times isn't quoted as much. He goes on to say, I didn't come here to call the righteous. I came here to call sinners to repentance. Y'all, that's amazing. Jesus says, I didn't come here so that we could gather in a room, all of us spiritual people who think we're righteous. I didn't come here so we could gather in a room and celebrate how righteous we are. I came so that people who are in sin would understand and realize the love and the grace and the mercy of God, and they would be drawn to that love, grace, mercy, and God, realize areas of their life that are sinning and want to, be, want to repent and walk away from it. That's why I came. Let me say it like this. The God of the Bible invites us to come to him just as we are. Now, that's amazing. And if you've been taught anything different, you need to realize the God of the Bible says, come to me just the way you are. Don't try to clean yourself up. Don't try to make yourself better. Come to me. Follow Jesus. Run to the Father. Get to me. And then watch this. Once you start following Jesus, then the love of God 
compels us to want to gladly repent. It's not like you're getting invited to the principal's office. You know what I mean? Like, okay, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. Like you, you gladly get to repent. You are excited about repenting because you are being influenced by the love and the grace and the mercy of God. And it moves you to a place where you, you are so excited to say, I'm sorry for that. I don't like that I'm doing that. God, forgive me for that. Help me with that. And then the transforming power of God and his love changes us. Now listen, this is not some quote I found of a book and now I'm trying to get you to believe it. This is the kind of stuff I've lived, y'all. I walk into a church for the first time at 17 years old. Never been to church for my life. The only thing I even knew about God was religion. The idea that he's up there somewhere and he's probably frowning at what I'm doing. And then I get invited to this church. And, and over time I go and I'm hearing the gospel and I get saved. And I, I know looking back that I was following Jesus, but at the moment I didn't know that's what I was doing. I was coming to church. I was listening to the pastor, Pastor Ron, who will be here next Sunday. Uh, I was listening to him preach. And then that was influencing my life. Now understand this. Before I got saved, I had the filthiest mouth in the world. If you think I could beat you, okay? Like, like not only could I cut you down and talk bad about you, like, I, you know, it's funny, I always think about this, because now I'm preaching God's grace, right? Because anything that God gives you with, the enemy tries to spin for his glory, you know? So I, I, I could cut your legs off at the knee. I was good at it. And I, I just, it was just a filthy mouth. Every other word was a cuss word. But watch this. I didn't know anything different. I, I didn't know I was doing anything wrong. Everybody I was around cussed. That was just the normal thing. The shows I watched had cussing in. Like, it was just it was a normal thing. But then I start going to church. And like I told you, I, I, I wish I could tell you that immediately I was going home and reading my own Bible, but I wasn't. But I was listening to when the pastor was preaching. And I didn't know this then, but I know this now. The Holy Spirit was moving in my life. And so one day I'm in the car with my dad, or in the truck with my dad, and I don't know how to explain it to you guys, but I just have this feeling of I've got to stop cussing. And so I look to my dad and I go, Dad, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to cuss anymore. And he was certainly supportive, and he was just kind of like, okay, you know, you know what, what brings this on? I was like, I don't know. All I know is that, that now something has happened into me, in me where I feel like that's wrong. There was a point in my life where it wasn't, where I was just, whoo-hoo, throwing them out there, buddy. But I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. But something has now happened in my life I've been following Jesus. Watch this. Conviction has come on my life. I feel like that this, what I'm doing is wrong, and I want to change it. So I repent from it, and then I ask God to help me do it. Here's what I'm trying to say. The truth is, there's no way that you and I can follow Christ and yet live in a way that never involves us turning away from our sins. When, when we choose to follow Jesus, and y'all, I'm not saying it's immediate, and I'm not saying it's as spiritually clear as sometimes we try to make it out to be. It's a journey. All I know is that I, who I was when I started following Jesus is not who I am today. I, I don't have a, a three-step process for you. I hadn't wrote a book. I just am so thankful that 39-year-old Troy doesn't look like 17-year-old Troy. Things changed. 
Over time, I followed Jesus. Yes, eventually I read the Bible for myself. Yes, eventually I started praying for myself. Yes, eventually I started doing all these different things. But over the time in my life, there were points where all of a sudden I said, that doesn't feel right anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to talk about them like that. I don't, I don't want to look at her that way. All of a sudden, something in me, it was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will convict. And so now I'm convicted, and I want to change. So there's a repenting moment with God, and then his power comes in and helps me change it. I can't explain it, but I'm telling you that it was good for me. It was good. You know, it was interesting, during the Super Bowl, there was a commercial under the whole concept of He Gets Us. Have y'all seen this? Uh, I've seen it. It's, it's, it's pushed by financially by, by godly people, and it's a great message. They're, they're putting the message out to individuals about the grace and love and mercy of Jesus Christ, and I'm always for it. I'll be honest with you, I actually didn't pay much attention to it. I was too busy panicking because I thought the Chiefs were going to lose there for a second, so I didn't even know there was a commercial, but um, people talked about it, and I went back and watched it. And the commercial was a bunch of pictures of Jesus washing the feet of different people, whether it was a different religion or a different, you know, uh, concept, you know, situation in life. But the whole message was God is not a God of hate. He washes feet. It's great. Grace of God is great. I get it. I didn't really think much about it. And then this pastor put out his own He Gets Us video that he made. And it caught my eye because it was showing somewhat the same people but it was showing them and then saying former blank. So, so let's just, I'm just making one up, so bear with me. Let's just say that in the Super Bowl ad, it was Jesus watching, washing a KKK member's feet, where in this video, it would show a guy, a real guy, and it would say former KKK. So, so what was the difference in the videos, or in, yeah, in, in, the, in the illustrations, is yes, Jesus loves them, and Jesus is washing their feet, but in this picture, there was change. See what I mean? Like it wasn't just Jesus accepting it and saying, oh, you're okay, walk in it. This is saying that Jesus says, I love you, I'm with you, but if you follow me, you're going to change. These desires that are in you that are sinful, eventually you start to go, it just doesn't feel right. I don't think I should hate my brother that way. I don't think I should look at her that way. You know what I mean? Like you start to, now, now it's former. In his video, it was former abortionist. And former this, and former that. And it was illustrating the fact that these people, in where they were, God loved them, but through their walk with God, they changed. This is the God we serve. And I'm afraid that we're living in a culture that wants us to think, watch this, that God forgives us for who we are and the sins we make, and now we're going to follow him being miserable in those sins. But God says, I forgive you for those, but now my Holy Spirit comes along beside you and helps you overcome those sins. So we recognize it. The Spirit of God says something's not right. And then we go, I don't want to do this anymore. Repentance. And then the grace of God covers us and strengthens us and empowers us to be able to overcome it. That, my friends, is Christianity. So here's my question. Why don't we repent? Why don't we? If I told you that whatever secret sin you're struggling with in your life, if you repented of it, that God would forgive you and then come alongside you and give, the power, give you the power to overcome it, why wouldn't we do it? Why wouldn't this become a shout fest of repentance, right? Ah, oh, God, forgive me for this. God, forgive me for that. I, don't, I think there's multiple reasons, but let me tell you the reason that I think is, is the most prevalent. I think religion has taught us that repentance 
is this ongoing feeling of shame over our bad behavior with no possibility for change. We've been taught that repentance is just us coming in every Sunday, feeling sorry for what we've done, and then pouting because we're bad people. And y'all, nobody wants to do that. That sounds miserable to me. I don't know about you, but I ain't signing up for that. When we believe that repentance is just every week, God, I'm sorry, I'm a terrible person. I'll try, I'll try to do better again. And the next Sunday I come back in, God, I'm sorry, I'm a terrible person. I'll try to do better again. Like at some point, that's not attractive. So why would I want to repent? But when I bring in the aspect that the Holy Spirit can change me, when you bring in this concept that what it is I'm struggling with, God can actually strengthen me and help me to overcome it. Now we're talking. Now all of a sudden repentance is interesting to me. Now I want to know more about it because watch this. I understand that there is sorrow for my sin, but I don't want to do this no more. I don't want to be back at this place again. Repentance is sorrow for our sin. Like there, there is a moment in repentance where you don't like the fact that you committed that sin. But watch this. Be careful. It's less about feeling bad over your behavior. And it's more about feeling awe and love for God. The, the sorrow that you feel for sin, when you commit a sin and there's something in you, that feels sorrow, that would lead you to repentance, that sorrow is less about you being shamed over your bad behavior. It's more about honoring and loving God in such a way that you realize this doesn't glorify him so you don't want it in your life anymore. Yeah. Repentance must be rooted in a high value of God, not a low value of ourselves. Yeah. So don't allow the world to tell you that repentance is all about you admitting that you're a terrible person. Repentance is all about lifting up the, 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 the holiness and the righteousness of God. But, but when I team up with God and his grace forgives me for what I've done, but his righteousness lets me know that what I'm doing, I can't continue to do. And now repentance is an exciting thing. So all right, back up a little bit. I got to tell you this story. I, I, I don't do a great job of telling this story because I don't really know how, but it's the best way I can illustrate for you what I saw was one of the coolest moments of repentance I've ever seen in my life. Happened on the pickleball court, okay? It's my other sanctuary, just so we're clear. And so we're out there, we're playing, and uh, you know, all of my good friends were playing, having a good time. And one of my good friends, he's the one that never gets mad, all right? I've, I've, I've never seen him get mad. Like, it's a common thing for us to throw paddles. Like, when you pull up, just be, you're going to see me probably chunking something. I mean, paddles all chipped and stuff, because, you know, you're just competitive. We're competitive. It's why my pickleball group's not on your community group card, because you can't see me out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> you won't go to church no more if you see that. It's just competitive. But one of my friends, he just, he, I, like, he just doesn't get mad. He's, he's like walking Jesus. Like, it's crazy. Never gets mad. Nothing. Well, this particular day, I actually was throwing football with my sister, or my sister, my daughter. I wasn't playing in the game at that moment. But all of a sudden, I, I saw him hit the ball so hard that it flew out of the pickleball court. And I was like, uh-oh. And you could just see his countenance, his whole, his whole body, everything changed. Like, something was up. But I wasn't involved in the game, so I didn't, I didn't pay much attention. I came in, he, you know, he sat down, I played. So it came time to leave, and there was four of us who were getting ready to leave, and we were packing up our bags. And he walked over to us, and he said, guys, I want to apologize for my behavior. And we were like, behavior? <laughs> like, do we have to apologize for ours then? Because my goodness. 
He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I shouldn't have acted like that. And uh, he said, it's just the Holy Spirit's showing me that, that there's an area in my life that God still needs to work on. He's like, that shouldn't have made me react the way I reacted. There's something there that God is wanting to work on. We were so blown away by it, but one of our friends said, I don't accept your apology. <laughs> she was like, I don't know. I don't think you did anything wrong. But the more and more he kept talking about it, here's what he was saying. He was saying the fact that something like that could get me this riled up and make me be angry. He said, there's something in there that God hasn't yet exposed. Y'all, it was the most incredible atmosphere and moment of repentance I had ever seen. Because he wasn't condemned. He wasn't pouting. Such a terrible person. He was realizing that there's something going on in me that doesn't glorify God. And I recognize it. And I want to take it to God so that he can surgically remove it and so that I'm not back in this place again. That's a real picture of repentance. By 7 o'clock that morning, he had texted me 11 different scriptures that dealt with that. But he wasn't condemned. He wasn't pouting. I think this is the picture of where we're trying to get as a follower of Jesus, where there's this relationship where Jesus, where Jesus has the right to go, hey, come here. You see that? It's not of me. It doesn't glorify me. And we're not upset about it, mad about it. We don't feel picked on. We just realize it and go, you know what? You're right. Hey, will you pray for me? Hey, let me study your word. God, remove it from me. You see, when we think that our identity is based in our performance, we become reluctant to repent. Because repenting means we're admitting that we're not perfect. Right? So if you think that your identity is based on your performance, you're going to be reluctant to repent. I don't want to repent because when I repent, I'm going to be admitting that I'm less than perfect. But when we realize that our righteousness is in Christ, that everything that's great about us is because of him, we are quick to repent. We are quick to ask for forgiveness for our sins so that we can return to our right place in Jesus. Please hear my heart in this. The world is trying to teach you, don't repent. Because if you repent, you'll admit that you're not perfect. And if you admit that you're not perfect, then your identity and your quality as a person and your value lowers. Meanwhile, Jesus is saying, repent. Repent, because that's not of me. Therefore, it's not of you. And so admit that it's not and allow my Holy Spirit to come in and do work on you and remove it. And you can be in the right place of God again. Does that make sense? Let's be excited about repentance. Let's make it normal. Let's not be afraid of it. Let's not fear it. Grace takes the fear out of repentance. Now to Psalm. If you got it in your Bible, Psalm 32. I want to read these words to you, and I just hope they, man, I hope they really minister to you. I understand this can be a tough subject. It shouldn't be, but it can be. Oh, but when we get it right. Could you imagine as a kid living in a home where you could never admit if you made a mistake? Some of you have. 
It's terrible. Because the fact that you're a child means you're inevitably going to make a mistake. So how miserable must it be to live in a place where you can't make mistakes, but you are inevitably going to make them? God says it's an open house. Forgiveness, grace, mercy, repentance. Psalm verse 32, we're going to read five verses. Or I'm sorry, Psalm 32, we're going to read five verses, one through five. It says, oh, what a joy. What a joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. For those whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Gone, wiped it clean. Whose lives are lived, watch this, in complete honesty. I think one of the hardest things about not understanding repentance is you live life in a secret. Constantly hiding it, you never get to be honest. And there's freedom in honesty. When I refuse to convert, watch this minute, so he's going to shift, so good. He's going to shift to what it was like when, b- before repentance. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Y'all know what that's like. You've been there. Where you keep doing something you don't want to do. Paul talked about it. I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do and it's just this back and forth and I'm exhausted and I feel my body getting tired and it's this pressure on me and, and I'm, I hate it. He says, watch this. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. Day and night I felt that religious and legalistic pressure of trying to be something that I'll never be able to be. Day and night that pressure was pushing on me. And where do I go? Where do I go? Watch this. My strength, it evaporated like water in the summer heat. Gone like that. He says, but finally, finally, I confessed all of my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. I will repent. I will ask for forgiveness. Watch this. And surprise, surprise, you forgave me. You forgave me. And all of my guilt is gone. I pray that that would set you free this morning. That is not my words. Those are the words of God telling you that repentance leads to forgiveness, which removes your guilt and allows you to walk in freedom. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Listen to me. God's goal in repentance is not to beat us to death, but to raise us to life. Thank you, God. Thank you for a God who is so madly in love with me that even in repentance of my worst moment, that even in the admittance of my worst sin, you have no desire to beat me down. All you want to do is raise me up. Father, make it normal. Make it normal. My daughter, my youngest daughter, she's old enough now. She runs her own bath. She runs her bath. She takes a bath. She watches a show. She does her own thing. We only see her as she's going to take a bath and then as she's now leaving to go upstairs. One night, 
Darla wasn't home. Normally these stories happen when it's just me, right? Parenting by myself. Casey Ray goes, she says, I'm gonna take a bath. I said, okay, cool. She goes, I can hear the bath running. Everything's good. Good amount of time goes by, but I assume she's probably watching her show, you know, just kind of enjoying the bath. She comes out, she's all dressed. She's like, oh, you know, kind of gives me one of those side waves and just heads upstairs. I don't think anything about it, y'all. Sitting on the couch, all of a sudden I need to go to my bathroom for something. And I walk in the bathroom, and when I turn the corner into the bathroom, it is a disaster in my bathroom. The, the rug, the door, the, the, the floor mat thing is in the sink. Every dry towel that we have is laid on the floor. And a lot of our clothes are laid on the floor. And I'm like, what has happened, you know? And so I walk towards the tub, and I look kind of behind the toilet, and there's like, you know, a good half an inch of water still just sitting. Like, like she used all the towels, all the clothes, and didn't get the water. Not sure how that's possible. And so because I'm a genius, you know, I was able to step back and go, something happened here. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden I realized what's happened is, is at some point the water flooded, and so, and then she tried to clean it up. So I, so I leave out of the bathroom. And I, I get all the wet stuff and put it in the washing machine. And I, I head upstairs to Casey Ray's bedroom and I walk in. I go, hey, babe. And she's like, hey. You know, because she thinks she's gotten away with it. I said, did you, did, you, did you flood the bathroom? And like her whole face changes, you know. And I was like, what happened? She was like, well, I got to watching my show. <laughs> Y'all, this girl turned the water on started running her bath, got caught up in a show. The bath is just overflowing out of the tub into our bathroom floor. She's ankle deep in water, guys. Talking about, mm, this is a good show. And then all of a sudden she realized it and she panicked. And so she went, turned the water off, grabbed every towel she could find, all of, grabbing our clothes to try to grab the mat, put it up in the sink, and she's freaking out. Watch this, because she thinks, if my dad finds out about it, I'm going to be in trouble. So she is exhausting herself, trying to clean up her mess so that dad doesn't find out about it. And so in the middle of our conversation, I try to say, listen, next time that happens, shouldn't happen, but the next time that happens... Come and tell me. I said, because look, number one, you're not going to be in trouble. But because I can clean the mess up quicker than you can. If we're not careful, the enemy will create an environment where you and I are so afraid of our dad being mad at us that we will exhaust ourselves trying to clean up our own messes. And I want you to hear the Spirit of God telling you right now, your heavenly Father telling you right now, the next time that happens, come and tell me. I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm going to forgive you. But I can clean this mess up quicker than you can. So let's get to a place, church, where repentance is normal. Let's get to a place, watch this, where every time we sin, we're quick to run to God and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I made a mess, and I'm sorry. I could have cleaned that mess up, y'all. I could have said, go ahead, put your PJs on, go up to your room, enjoy your show. I'll worry about this. Do you see what I mean? 
And yet we're, we're allowing the enemy to create a culture where you and I are working hard and we're exhausted trying to clean up the last mess we made. And your heavenly father says, let it go. Drop it. Run to me. Let me forgive you. And then we will do this together. Oh, the Spirit of God spoke this to me this week, and I love it. If the heart of the church is the gospel of grace, then the heart of the believer will be repentance. If on Sunday mornings you show up to a place where the heart here is grace, then naturally your heart becomes a heart of repentance. One quick thing, and then we'll close. One Sunday, a gentleman in the church I don't remember what I was preaching about, but it, the Holy Spirit was moving on him about something that he was doing. And he had let one of our leaders know about it, that he wanted prayer and wanted to talk about it. And he told us later on that he was a little nervous about talking about it because he wasn't sure how it'd be received and how people might look at him. And I, he didn't know it, but I was watching this happen because I knew what was happening, but I was in a conversation. And when he told one individual that individual did not chastise him, did not condemn him, did not start to call him names. That one individual started to encourage him, and then all of a sudden he called this guy over and that guy over, and they came over and they prayed together, and they were exchanging phone numbers together. And that individual walked up to me after it was all over, and he was like, I'm just glad to be at a place where when I've done something, I can admit it, and I can find an atmosphere where people will come alongside of me and support me and help me and encourage me and walk with me. Amen. You give God praise. Do me a favor. Would you stand with me this morning? My prayer is that this church would be a place where repentance is normal. And it's also a prayer that your home would be a place where repentance is normal. But watch this. It starts with you. You've got to be able to walk out of here today and all of the thoughts that you've had from the past of what repentance means, all of the old feelings that come up from legalism and religion and the past experiences where you're hesitant to admit that you've done something that's outside of the character of God because you're worried about how it may make you look. You got to be released from that today. That's got to be gone. We got to get to a place where we are excited and we can celebrate the idea of repentance because as we step into repentance, we get to experience the forgiveness and the love of God and then God comes alongside of us and helps us overcome it. Amen? Yeah. So close your eyes right now in this place, and if you're comfortable, would you lift your hands in the air? And I'm going to pray over you, but I want you to pray as well. And here's your prayer right now. Just say, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit in my heart would show me the areas of my life that need repentance, and that I would not be hesitant to repent, but that when I sin, I run to the Father, open about my sin, realizing that I need your forgiveness. Right now, Father, I pray over everybody in this room that that spirit, the heart of repentance would grow in us. For some of us, we need a new picture of who you are, Father, the right perspective of you. And when we have your right perspective, we can now perceive repentance correctly. And grace, your grace, will take that fear out of repentance and we can rejoice, make repentance normal.
Come on, would you just ask for forgiveness in this place right now? Let's start repenting right now. Let's receive the forgiveness of grace. Make this your prayer. Receive that invitation. Let it all go. Yeah, I see.